Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. So I've taught thousands of people about property investing and I'm regularly doing YouTube videos, lives on Facebook, podcasts, and I get hundreds and hundreds of questions from people asking about various different things around property investing. So what I thought to do today on today's podcast is go through some of those questions and give you some detailed answers. Okay, so the first question is from Immy Shake. Says, are you confusing buy to let BTL with buy refurbish rent refinance B or 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 buy to let aka vanilla buy to let is dead unless you think uh, a return on investment of four percent gross is acceptable for the amount of risk involved dot 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 no thanks. Well, Emmy, um, I think maybe you're confusing buy to let with buy refurbish rent refinance because actually buy to let is to buy a property and rent it out to a tenant. Buy, refurbish, rent, refinance is to buy a property, refurbish it, rent it, and rent it out to a tenant. No professional property investor should be buying a perfect house and renting it out to a tenant because as a professional property investor, you make your money not from rental income or rental income only, You make your money when you buy, by buying value. If you are listening to this podcast and you buy the perfect house on the perfect street and you put down 25% deposit, buy the property and then just rent it to a tenant without improving the value, without changing the layout, without painting, decorating, adding a new kitchen, adding a new bathroom, that is amateur and that is going to cost you not just a lot of money, but a lot of time. Because it's impossible to save up a deposit, 25%, to buy a house and then leave that money in the house and do it over and over and over again. You can probably do it once, but you'll never build a significant portfolio. So buy to let, buy a house and immediately rent it out, leaving 25% in. It's not that that's dead, Immy. That was never alive. That was never the right thing to do. That was never something you should ever, ever, ever be doing because that is the road to ruin. It's the road to getting stuck. Buy, refurbish, rent, refinance. Buying a shitty, rundown house. Buying the worst house on the average street. Refurbishing it and then letting it That is what you should always be doing because the fundamentals of successful property investing is you got to get the money you put in back out. The whole point of property is not to put your life savings in. The whole point of property is to get the house to pay you. So you make your money when you buy. You buy buying value. You buy something you can add value to where you immediately make 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus thousand pound on the uplift in the value and then you rent it out and you make money from the cash flow over the next few years or decades. And the final way you make money is from the capital growth. But if you're waiting and relying on capital growth, that is gambling. The one surefire way to create growth is to add the growth to the property yourself. Now, 
Also, Emmy, when you talk about 4%, even if you were doing the crazy, ridiculous thing, which is buy to let by not doing a refurb, if you were just buying it and renting it out, you mentioned 4% ROI. So do you mean return on investment or return on capital employed, ROCE? Because they're two very different things. Return on investment is what you would make from that property as an investment over a period of time. The return on capital employed is how hard every pound you have got left in that deal is working for you. If you do BRRR, refurbish the house and pull all your money out, you've got an infinite return on capital employed. You've got no capital left employed because you took your money back out within the first few months. Or maybe you've got a little bit of money left in. So return on capital employed is how much profit you make per year divided by what money you have left in that deal. Now, as a fundamental of property investing, please do not be doing buy to let where you buy the perfect house and just rent it out. That is for amateurs. That is not the professional game. You have to learn how to make money when you buy. By the way, this is the difference between an educated property investor and an uneducated investor. I meet a lot of people and they go, I've never had to do a training. I've never learned about property. I've built my whole portfolio myself. And I say, how many houses have you? Well, I've got two now. I've done two of them. How long's it taken you? It's took me seven years. It's took me nine years. It's took me 12 years. Well, bloody done. It's too slow. You meet anybody with a portfolio of 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 plus houses, and to a person, they'll tell you they would not have done it without educating themselves. They would not have done it without having coaches and mentors. You see, the, some people are trying to do things alone, and then they think they're doing buy to let, but what they're really doing is just putting their life savings into a house and struggling for the rest of their lives to get it back out again. Buy to let is not dead. Buy to let never lived. Buy, refurbish, rent, refinance to let has always and always will be alive. So Karen Cooper has asked a question on one of my videos. I did a video actually where I asked, first of all, where um, a, how a caravan got placed behind a house where there was literally no roads, there was no way out. And Karen has said the caravan was either put there before the house was built or came over a fence by crane. Thanks, Karen. That's what I thought too. But it's still weird because it'll probably never come back out of there again. Um, but here's the main question Karen asked. She said, I think you just answered my question. We're damp proofing halfway up for energy efficiency, question mark. Is that correct? No, Karen, that's not correct. And that's why I wanted to come back in and re-answer your question, and I so hope you're listening to this. We damp proof about one and a half meters up a wall. So if you're damp proofing a house, do not confuse damp proofing with energy efficiency and getting to a C-rated EPC. So if you're looking to damp-proof a house where there's a lot of damp, you would go back to brick, you would remove up to about one and a half meters of the plaster from the inside of the property, go back to brick, you'd then inject the walls with a damp-proof resin or whatever damp-proofing material you use, and then you would re-plaster the walls and that would remove damp. That will not improve the energy efficiency. That will not give you a C-rated EPC. Because if you think about it, if you've got heat in a property and you warm a house, well, if the heating is kept in on the first one and a half meters, it'll go out two meters up. So what you have to do for an EPC rating of a C is you've got to go back to brick on the entire wall. Ground floor 
and first floor and every floor if there's a larger property. You must go back to brick on the entire wall and then add typically 150 mil of, if you want to do internal wall insulation, 150 mil of insulated plasterboard. So you'd have an insulation board on the out, on the other side of the plasterboard, you'd place it on the wall, and then you'd plaster onto the plasterboard and paint the wall. That will give you a C-rated EPC energy performance. Now, you could do this on external wall insulation, and a lot of people will use external wall insulation because maybe the inside of the property is already in good condition, it's already really nice. However, if you do external wall insulation, it is open to the elements, and they say that it will last, so I mean the manufacturers say it lasts um, typically a warranty of about 15 to 20 years. However, I want to hold my portfolios for generations. I don't really want to be spending money and my kids and my grandkids spending money on external wall insulation every 15 to 20 years. And the problem with external wall insulation, and it'll only be found out in the future, is that they will need to be done again and again and again, or at least repaired. Because as cracks come on the external rendering, they'll start to get water into the insulation and you'll start to see that coming through the inside of the properties. So I personally, and I'll probably get challenged by people who sell external wall insulation, but I will, and anyone who's fitted external wall insulation and want to make themselves feel good about it. And by the way, we have done this on certain properties where we physically didn't want to spend money on the inside because it was already nice. But every property possible, we will do internal wall insulation. Now, it's 150 mil. You're not actually reducing the inside of the room by 150 mil. What you're actually doing is you're removing the plasterboard, you're going back to bricks, so that's probably going to be 50, 60, 70, 80 mil. So you're, when you put that back in again, you're probably reducing the internal size of each room on, on the external walls by about 60, 70 mil to fit your internal wall insulation. Here's the benefit, though, of the internal wall insulation. It's inside. It's not open to the elements. It's not getting rained on and frosted on and snowed on every single day. No, it's getting heat from your radiators. So it'll last for generations, while the external wall insulation, it has a timeline. So you're much better off, in my opinion, to spend a bit more and to future-proof your properties at the start by doing your internal wall insulation rather than going for the external. Following on from that, Jason Kahini says, how does replastering to ceiling level improve the EPC? Surely that would be down to wall insulation or either cavity fill or internal external for solid brick. So wall insulation will protect heating leaving the property from the sides. Ceiling insulation, ceiling plastering and ceiling plasterboard and filling the gap between the floors with some sort of um, insulated board or insulated foam will stop heat rising. Heat rises. Most heat rises, not goes sideways. If you do ceiling insulation, especially, by the way, on the first floor. So you might not need to insulate between the ground floor and the first floor. In fact, in a kitchen, there's a lot of heat generated by the cookers, in a sitting room, by the fireplace, etc. You might actually not want to insulate the ceiling between the kitchen and the bedrooms because the heat can go up and heat your top floor. But you want to keep that heat in. You do not want the heat to go from your bedroom up into your attic and out of your house. 
So insulate your ceilings to keep the heat in, Jason. I hope that makes sense. But heat rises. So, moving on to a new topic. Akunrin Mita. How are you? You've just said to me on a post, actually, newspapers are not the ones printing buy to let is dead. It's property YouTubers like you that go on and on about it. Okay. So just a quick internet search shows an article in Money Week says the death of buy-to-let property is a useful cautionary tale for all investors. The article was written by a guy called John Stepek. He's not a YouTuber. He is a newspaper person. The Telegraph wrote an article saying why buy-to-let is dead. That was in the Telegraph in December 2022. The Spectator wrote an article saying the death of buy-to-let landlords. That was only five days ago. BBC News has articles talking about the death of buy-to-let. The Guardian wrote an article on the 1st of December 2022 saying soaring rent making life unaffordable for private tenants and killing buy-to-let. The Landlord Today said an article that the golden age of buy-to-let is over. I could keep going on and on and on and on. But, Ogunrin, I think if you did a little bit of a Google search, you might find out that it is the media who are saying buy-to-let is dead. I am a YouTuber, a podcaster, a property investor, I'm an educator and a trainer, and I am certainly not saying buy-to-let is dead. If you have listened to any of my videos, it will be very clear that I am saying that buy-to-let is very much alive and kicking. I'm still buying. My question to you is, are you? Just some guy, that's literally his name, just some guy, whoever you are, says it's getting harder, not dead. It's not getting harder, it's getting easier. It's never been easier. It has never been easier to do buy-to-let. Why? Because there's less people looking to buy because they're listening to the media. There's less people wanting to do it because they're listening to the media, which means there's more opportunities for the professionals like me and you, those that are taking the action. It's never been easier to research properties. There's never been more money on the planet than there is today. 25 years ago, it was harder to raise money. 25 years ago, there wasn't podcasts and YouTubes and networking events and Zooms and you couldn't just go and meet people online that would fund your property deal. 25 years ago, there wasn't as much money on this planet. 25 years ago, you couldn't go online and research what houses were selling for. You can spend 10, 15 minutes and find comparable sold prices on a street. You can find comparable rental prices. You can find a refurb team to refurbish your property. You can find the loads and loads of groups that you can network in. You can find everything you need. You can look at what houses have sold for on the streets. It has never been easier. It is not getting harder. It's just that most people are getting lazier. Drone Peterborough has asked, would you buy a house or a flat from Burnley? Well, first of all, there's a little bit of a tip that gives this away, Drone, is you've said Drone Peterborough. So, would I buy a property in Burnley? I have never been to Burnley. I have no intention of ever going to Burnley. Apologies to Burnley people listening. I'm sure it's beautiful there. But if I'm not from Burnley, I wouldn't be buying a property in Burnley. Now, I'm guessing by your name, Drone Peterborough, that you're also not from Burnley. 
So why would you be buying a property in Burnley? Now, I can guess because you think they're cheaper there. But cheap does not mean valuable. Cheap means cheap. I'm on one today because I want to protect people like you, Drone Peterborough. Because what happens is you go off and you buy a house in Burnley. You don't know the streets. You don't know the area. You don't know what you're doing. And you'll end up losing money. If you are from Peterborough, because you're called Drone Peterborough, then I would be buying property in Peterborough. Because you know the good streets. You know the bad streets. You know the areas to invest. You know your area. You cannot buy knowledge of your local area. It can take you years to work that out. However, you just need to understand how to find deals in your area. But I can read your mind. You're going to say to me, it's too expensive in Peterborough. I don't know how to buy property in Peterborough. If you go buy a property in Burnley, drone Peterborough, you can probably buy one. And you've started off, you've got some money and you're looking to spend it. And you take all your money and you buy a house in Burnley. Now you've got no money, one house in Burnley, and you're still running your drone business. Because I guess you have a drone business. What are you going to do to get the second one, the third one, the fourth one? Stop focusing on your bank account and realize that there's loads of money out there. You can do use other people's money. You can attract joint venture partners, private investors. You can even do creative investment techniques like lease option agreements, existed sales, exchange delayed completions. You could use vendor finance. There's so many different ways that you could do property right on your doorstep in Peterborough. So the answer to your question is, would I do a deal in Burnley? Absolutely not. Should Burnley people buy property in Burnley. Absolutely they should. Burnley people should invest in Burnley. Peterborough people should invest in Peterborough. And I will invest in my area. Not because my area is better than Burnley or Peterborough, just because my area is the one I know best. Vanessa Kello, you've written saying, I feel my entire working buy to let is in a stranglehold with HMRC. Please do a tax-efficient video. So first of all, Vanessa, I don't know what your specific problem is. So um, I'm guessing you own property in your personal name and maybe you're affected by Section 24. So um, you've written further down, actually. Buy to let, not supported by the government. Section 24, a killer. Energy EPC loss of Section 21. High-risk strategy going forward. Um, Absolutely not, because when one person's problem is another person's opportunity. And we're going to be picking up some massive deals this year from people who are panicking about their situation. There's loads of stuff you can do. You could run your properties, properties as serviced accommodation to avoid Section 24. You could incorporate your properties into a limited company. So there's an awful lot to this, Vanessa. Keep an eye out what I'm going to do is I will do a separate podcast specifically about tax and tax efficiently, efficiency and what you can do to build your a protected property investment portfolio. But remember, one person's problem is another person's opportunity. People will worry about tax changes. For the last 50 years, there'll always be tax changes. The last time I checked, there's two budgets, at least minimum two budgets every single year. In the last few years, there's been more than two with all the emergency budgets and the changes. So um, every time there's a budget, every time there's a change to the tax laws in this country, people panic instead of grabbing the opportunity. Back in COVID, when everybody was told to sit at home and not move and not do anything and comply, right, what happened was some people went out and spotted an opportunity and more millionaires were created than any other year in history. You have got a huge opportunity to work your deals into a tax-efficient structure and then take on more properties from people who don't know how to do that. 
There's loads of vehicles you can use to protect yourself. There's loads of different property investment techniques. It is not that buy to let is dead or Section 24 is a killer. Section 24 will be a killer for the uneducated and it will be a massive opportunity for the educated. So I will do a special deep dive separate podcast on this topic alone because I feel that there's a lot in this that we can help you with. So keep an eye out for that, Vanessa. Got a question here from Liz Zaff about Andrew Tate. So Rob Moore interviewed Andrew Tate on the on the Disruptors podcast recently and um, pre him being arrested in Romania and put in jail and having his cars and assets seized. And Liz's question is, when a country turns against you, now did the country turn against him or the every country turn against him? So when a country turns against you, how apt, considering he's sitting in a jail in Romania where he has bought property? So in the interview that Andrew Tate did with Rob Moore, Andrew Tate said, never buy property, don't own property. Rob Moore said, always buy property. Well, I'm in the Rob Moore camp of always buy property. Andrew was saying that you'll never own the property, you'll never control the property, etc., that you shouldn't own property. Well, at the same time, he bought property in Romania the country that has locked him up. He does own property. Now, what he means, and a lot of people misconstrue this, is don't own property in your personal name. However, he did not say don't own property. He meant not in his personal name. He does own property in company structures within limited companies. I own my properties within limited companies. And the reason for this, by the way, there's a much better tax-efficient system to that. And you could sit back and go, I'm going to listen to Andrew Tate. I'm never going to own a property. And then you can choose not to. But here's the thing. What income streams have you got coming in if you don't own property? And if you say, well, I got my job, then you need to do something different. And Andrew Tate owns property. He owns cars. He's got loads of different businesses. He owns casinos. That's a property. He owns loads of businesses that are property related. He did not say, do not own property. He said, do not own property, hashtag in your personal name. I don't even know why I said hashtag, but you get the picture, right? Don't own property can be misrepresented or misinterpreted. That is not what he said. The fundamentals of wealth, the wealthiest people in this planet have either made their money in property or invested their money into property. And yes, nobody ever really truly owns their property because you have a mortgage. The bank owns the mortgage. And if you don't pay it, the bank will take the property off you. You control it. So you could control property using things like rent to rent, where somebody else owns the mortgage. You could use lease option agreements, where you take control of somebody else's mortgage. But here is the reality. The wealthiest people on this planet are the ones with the most debt. The poorest people are the ones that are trying to save money and stay out of debt. Interesting. Think about that. Your job is not to buy property. Your job should be to buy income-generating debt. So Andrew Tate talks a lot about the matrix controlling us. And yes, of course, there's, there's two types of countries in the world. There's democratic and there's communist. And in either one, it's pretty communist. So in a communist country, you are controlled by the government. Well, in a democratic country, we're beginning to find out we're also controlled by the government. It's just that we've got more freedom to create our own incomes, to run our own businesses, to create more money for the government, to create more taxes for the government. However, it is still fact that the wealthiest people in this country, the wealthiest people in the world, in democratic countries, pay the least tax. 
So we can sit back and moan about the matrix controlling us and then stay in a job, earning money, paying our taxes before we get our money and then paying more taxes on the money we receive when you buy a mobile phone. And post-tax money, you pay tax on the purchase. When you buy food on post-tax money, you pay tax on the purchase. When you buy petrol, diesel, everything, clothes, whatever you spend, you go on holidays, you pay tax on the purchases. In fact, 85 plus pence in every pound you give back to the government in taxes. So you can stay in your job and moan about the matrix and be part of their system and say, well, I'm not going to buy property. I'm not going to get into business. I'm not going to do stuff because the matrix is just going to take it off me anyway. They're taking it off you anyway now. But if you get into business, if you start to play them at their own game, you could actually allow yourself to become wealthy using the system instead of being part of the system. See, you've got two choices. You can blame the matrix and believe in the matrix. The matrix is there. The matrix is real. There is a system. There is a hierarchy. And it's called governments. It's right across the world. All the governments are linked. And the world's getting smaller. You've got the G8. You've got all the summits. You've got all the stuff that the world do to control the world. We know it's happening and you can sit back and let the world happen to you or you can become the change that you want to see yourself. You can take control of it. You and me, anybody listening to this podcast, we are not going to be able to change the system. We are not going to be able to change the matrix. It is there. But what we can do is we can use it to our advantage and we can play the game against them and we can create wealth through it. If one other person become wealthy, so can you. But you could choose to just sit back and say, the matrix is controlling us, so let's just do nothing and stay in a job. Well, that is letting them control you. All that said, property has been great to me. And Matrix or not, I've built wealth through property. While the Matrix exists, you can choose to build wealth through property as well. But it starts with a decision. Could they take everything off me at some point in the future? Possibly. Is it likely to happen? Very unlikely. Will I ever be or want to be Andrew Tate? Absolutely not. I would not want to spend time in a Romanian prison. Right? You do not need to be that outspoken. You do not need to be that type of person. Now, there's great points and negative points to Andrew Tate. Some of the stuff he does, I 100% agree with. Many of it, I disagree with. There's a lot of stuff about him that is not true. There's a lot of stuff about him that is true. But there's a middle ground. You don't have to be the same as somebody else. You don't have to do everything Andrew Tate does, or everything Rob Moore does, or everything I do. But what you do have to do is something for you and your family. So I've got an amazing comment here from VZ about a month ago. It says it's edited as well. But VZ, I don't know who you are, but it says, your assumption is you will refurb the property and rent it out. That's not an assumption. That's a reality. (laughs) The one you're talking about, that's what happened. When it was finished, refurb, I rented it out. There's no assumption there. I've done it over a hundred times. I'm not assuming anything. I'm doing something. But you carried on and you said, The rental market has been buoyant because a lot of immigrants who come 
here need a house to live. But with the UK as a country turning into a shithole coupled with Brexit will lead to significantly less demand for labour, leading to an exodus of people, including locals and immigrants, out of the UK in the coming years, putting significant pressure on the rental in medium to long term. Are you an economist? How do you work for the government, VZ? Are you somebody who has researched this and the data? Because here is the reality of the UK. We are a small island of 68 million people. There is an increase in the population in the UK, and there is a predicted continuous increase. Last year alone, over 500,000 more people moved to the UK. The population increased by 500,000. There is a 200,000 property per year shortfall in properties. 200,000 per year. <laughs> I mean, some of you watching this might only want to buy one or five or ten. I've done over a hundred deals. It is a drop in the ocean. Even a hundred property deals is a drop in the ocean on a 200,000 per year shortfall, VZ. A huge drop in the ocean. The predicted population growth of the UK from proven data is that the UK population will be over 75 million by 2035. That is 7 million more people than today. I don't know where you got your data from, but I'm getting it from tried, tested and proven fact. I would love you to share reports under your comment on the YouTube video you posted on to share proven factual data rather than just information out of your own head. However, you went on to say, just remember rental demand, just remember, just remember rental demand in the UK are highly like linked to employment opportunities. I know. I studied this. This is why I've built such a significant portfolio. I build it based on data, not information that I presume out of my own head, VZ. Right? Then you go on to say, though, Unfortunately, the sun will be setting in on the British Empire, given the state of affairs and number of fundamental and structural issues the country is dealing with. Now I'm a little bit more worried about you. Now I look at your name, VZ, and I think to myself, are you Vladimir Putin? Does the V stand for Vladimir? And the Z stand for victory? I didn't realize, Vladimir, that you were one of our subscribers, um, one of our listeners to the podcast. I really appreciate this. And um, yeah, if uh, I mean, what is your plan for the British Empire being in and and unfortunately the sun setting on it? Um, yeah, just if you could comment back more about your your uh, next step plan, that would be amazing. But uh, the last time I checked, I don't think the British Empire is dead unless you have got some internal information uh, with yourself and your team that you'd like to share with us. That would be amazing. Then, oh, oh, there's more, Vladimir. V, Z. I, you finish with, I hope that I don't need to explain to you how big a fall in rental demand or prices affect the property market. <laughs> no, Vladimir, you don't. I promise you. I promise you. You do not need to explain that to me. You really don't. Um, um, but I, I really appreciate your, your care and your worry for me. But um, with... Massive respect, Vladimir. Um, I think your choices so far over the last year have been pretty poor. And um, I think your choices on um, property market and the UK, I, I, in, in all seriousness, VZ, whoever you may be, um, I think you're not looking at the data and you're not looking at what's actually happening. 
and you're missing out on massive opportunity. And by the way, if you feel, I would love to have a conversation with you in 10 years' time and see which one of us are correct. Is the property market going to die? Is it the end of the British Empire? Is it the end of the UK? Will there be nobody living on a desert island here in 10 years' time? Um, let's have a conversation. Actually, private message me or something, and let's arrange a meet in 2033, and let's see whose bank account increased the most. And let's see what rental prices are. I'll make a prediction for you right now. House prices will be higher in 2033 than they are now. Biggest crash in history in 2007. House prices are higher today than they were then. 2023-45, I believe there will be a crash in the property market. But I also know factually that there will be an increase by 2033. Here's why. Because what goes up comes down slightly and goes back up again higher. It always trends upwards. By 2033, because the governments print money, inflation will push house prices up. Inflation will push rents up. And while you sit back thinking and shouting about the world ending and the UK been destroyed, the reality is more and more people still want to move to this country and will continue to move to this country. We are a small island and there will be over 70 million people here by 2033 in 10 years' time. Over 70 million people living here by 2033. And rents will be higher. There'll still be jobs. There'll still be everything. So... I'm, I'm glad you worry about me, but I also massively worry about you. And I worry about the advice you're getting, and I worry about the information you're receiving, and I worry about the decisions you're making, because what you're saying will hurt you, not me. Riffy Dali says, you didn't mention which town is it where you're selling this property. Well, that's because I'm not selling it. I don't sell anything. I keep everything. Long-term generational wealth. I don't want to sell the property. I want to hold it. That's one reason I didn't mention it. Number two reason I didn't mention it is because it's not really relevant where it is. You see, if I tell people where I invest, here's what's going to happen. People will then go, oh, that's where Kevin invests. So I'm going to go there and invest there too. That must be the best area. But it's not the best area. It's the area I'm from. So I invest in area X. You should invest in area Y. Because you're from area Y and I'm from area X. It is totally irrelevant where I am from. And I don't mention where I'm from. Not to keep it a secret. I do it to protect you. Because if you come and invest in my area, you won't know the good streets, you won't know where to invest, you won't know the numbers, you don't know the detail, and you will make mistakes. You are the subject matter expert of your area. What I do in my area, you should be copying in your area, not in my area. You need to invest local. That is the fundamental of a successful property investor, and that, if it is exactly why I don't tell you exactly where I invest. Born for free tax to the death. There's actually a lot of irony in your name compared to your question, because you've said, your name is born for free tax to the death. And then you've said, how to make the money when houses will lose as much as 10% in value and interest rates are at the highest ever, your rental income will not even cover your mortgage cost, and then you will face Section 24 tax. Well, let me give you an example of a property that we did recently. We purchased it for 85k. 
we spent between the stamp duty, the legals, and the refurb, 35K. All in, we spent 120 grand. We refinanced that house for 160 grand by adding value. So we increased the value of the property. We created 40,000 pound of equity. Now, if you said house prices will drop 10%, if I bought an 85 grand house for 85 grand and did nothing with it, and it dropped 10%, I would lose eight and a half grand. If I bought an 85k house, spent 35 on a refurb, got it valued at 160, haven't spent 120, I've created 40k. If that 160k house where I've created 40 grand of equity drops 10%, it will drop 16 grand. I have still made 24. Now, the mortgage on that house is just over 500 pound a month, so around 512 quid a month and a few p. The rental income is 750. That property is making over 225 pound a month profit. That's after all cost. It's making two, so if the costs are 512 ish quid, the, the rental income is 750. It's making about 200 quid. Now, 225 quid. So, I am making money even if the market drops. And the market might drop 10%, but it will go back up 20 to 25%. Let's look back in 10, 15 years' time and see if that 160 grand house is worth 124, 134, 144, or maybe it's going to be worth 200. My prediction is, because of inflation, because of the way the world works, and because of history, it will be worth 190 to 200 grand easily, and I only spent 120. But I'll have also made money from it. Then you mentioned you will face Section 24 tax. No, I won't, because Section 24 tax is a tax on properties you own in your personal name. Every single deal I do is done within a limited company, where Section 24 tax is not relevant. You need to educate yourself, born for free, tax to the death. See, the reason you have called yourself tax to the death is because you're paying taxes instead of educating yourself on how to avoid it. You just need to run your properties through a limited company structure and you can offset your mortgage cost. You do it in your personal name and you will be taxed till the death. So there is a bunch of questions from people on the Progressive Property YouTube channel from videos I share about my property journey. Various different videos. If you're listening to this, if you want your questions answered, then head over to the Progressive Property YouTube channel, subscribe, watch some of the videos, post your comment below the video, and I will answer your question on an upcoming podcast. Also, if you're looking to get started in property investing, if you want to do property the right way in 2023, there's a completely free report in the description that you can download now and help you get the knowledge you need to get started in property. There is a great opportunity right now for those that know what they're doing, for those that are properly educated. Don't miss the biggest opportunity in history. More millionaires and more billionaires are created in a crisis than at any other time. While most people are fearful, you've got to be greedy. Go grab those opportunities opportunities because here's the thing they're going to be grabbed by somebody anyway right you should be that person so grab that report learn about property and hopefully i'll see you in person very soon i've been kevin mcdonald you've been amazing see you next time